This is, uh, this is such a blessing to be able to reach out in this way to our many, many outposts of faithful saints around the world. And um, it's, it's, a very, it's a very different scenario here. Um, but today, normally, you know, we're just basically uh, just a, the handful because of the, the mandate of uh, the governor and the CDC. But today we very blessed Tammy taught Sunday school. It's nice to have the stewards here. Uh, I knew they were coming, so I tried to figure out a few of my, you know, go to the organ, that kind of thing, you know, that I would normally say to them. But anyway, we welcome all of you on this Mother's Day. And certainly there have been a number of uh, uh, expressions of uh, blessing to those of you who are mothers, and um, I add mine to that. Of course, this day, as Tammy mentioned earlier, is a very special day for uh, Debbie and I because uh, 40 years ago today, we came here for the very first time, and um, we were hired as uh, youth pastors and uh, jack-of-all-trades, I guess, during those number of years, uh, uh, working as a staff member. And then seven years after that, became uh, voted on the pastor on this weekend. So that's 33 years now. And that's kind of a hard thing to, uh, that's a hard thing to, to fathom that long in one place. But um, I do thank God for his long-suffering and his provision and for the way he's guided us. And, um, you know, to those of you who have been here for most of that time, just want you to know how appreciative I am and my family is of you. And, you know, Dennis and Tammy, uh, many, many years working and laboring here, and I appreciate you both so much. And, and to all of you, God bless you all. We've got a lot yet to do for him, and um, we're, we're looking forward to what's coming the remainder of this year. Again, don't forget that there are lots of different things available for you uh, each day, each week, as this week progresses on Facebook and on the website. Be faithful to tune in. Um, today, this afternoon, in fact, I'm going to be uh, releasing another Valley Prayer Exhortation. That'll be sometime mid to late afternoon, probably commensurate with when our prayer class would be because we do have an assignment for today and tomorrow in that, in that measure of exhortation, believing from the promise of God through his fulfillment. And so um, look for that. And uh, I, I wanted to say a word of thanks to our brother Nathan McGill who um, I'm looking up to where he would normally be. He spent most of the day changing out one of our electrical panels here this past uh, week. And uh, that old panel that was probably there from God knows when, probably from the 60s, has a brand new panel. And I'm grateful for that. That was a lot of work, and I appreciate you doing that, Nathan. God bless you and your family. Um, let's see, there's one other thing I wanted to say. 
We will continue as a congregation to pray for the various members of our congregation throughout this week. And then um, we will transition for the last two weeks of the month to pray for the various network outposts, not internationally. And there are, there are a lot of them. As I was compiling the list and putting it together, even though I'm in regular contact with all these folks, when you just see them all listed out in the various reach across the world, it's kind of stunning. And I, I give thanks to the Lord for the privilege that we have of being able to encourage the various nations. And I thought that it would be a good thing for us to pray for each of them um, as this month continues. So that's not this week, but it'll be next week. And I'm also going to be inviting our network churches to join us in those prayers of blessing. Um, we're all co-laborers together. But this week is the continuation of the prayer for our church family. And I want to thank all of you for being faithful to pray for your church brothers and sisters. Um, it's been a great it's been a great blessing to be able to participate in that. And so uh, look for that for the remainder of this week, and then we'll transition into um, a network-wide prayer over the various outposts internationally. Um, I am um, very grateful to the Lord for the way that he is continuing to watch over our flock and the network flock. And we continue to declare the blood of Jesus over everyone that God is preserving and protecting and providing, encouraging. Continue to pray every day. Continue to seek after the Lord. This is a season where God is mightily preparing you. And this, this is what this is for. We're girding up for the going forth. We're girding up for a tremendous uh, advance of the kingdom of God. And so... This time is not something that we should be lamenting. It's a time where we should be seeking the Lord and asking him, what all do you want to accomplish in me? How do you want me to be praying? How do you want me to be positioned in you? And that's what he's doing. So this is not wasted time. It's not, oh, I just can't wait till everything's back to normal. I, I don't want things to be back to normal. I want them to be... I, don't, I want him to, re, to return to the new norm, to the new things that God is doing, to what is coming next. We're being changed from glory to glory. So we need to emerge out of this time refreshed and expectant. And so that's what God is, um, that's what God is working in all of us. So let's be faithful to pray and let's not be weary in our well-doing. Because we are going to reap the harvest that God has promised. Amen? All right. We're going into the message now. It's not a typical Mother's Day message. But um, it is a message on Mother's Day. <laughs> and so you should have the outline that Scott has so faithfully posted. We want to thank Sylvie from Montelimar who has provided the PowerPoint for us, and um, we are, we're looking forward. I thank myself for making the copies for those who are here. <laughs> thank myself. Praise myself. 
Oh, my. You know, we're going to consider this message called a great calm. And we're going to look at the time when Jesus was in the boat and the storm arose. And we're going to see what he says, because there's there's a lot of tremendous insight for us in this season. Um, we're going to land on the other side of this shore with great victories and tremendous things that God has prepared. And so we need to see the lessons that Jesus has laid out for us here in this rather significant passage of Scripture. And really, there are a lot of factors in this which we're going to consider um, but I do believe that this is a timely word ordered of God for us in this moment. So let's read out of Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 28. And when Jesus was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep, and his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? When he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesins, now it's funny because Gadarene is where they were going, so I guess they must have called the, I, I would have called them the Gatherinos or something like that, <laughs> but they're the, the Gergesines. Sounds almost like a mouthwash. <laughs> Gergesine. Available in menthol and plain. There met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. Now, logistically, we recognize that the Lord was coming into a region and this legion of demons unclean spirits, the Bible classifies them as, were encamped on the eastern shore of this sea. And they had been living in the, the, the area where the tombs, a cemetery was. Some, um, one gospel account says it was one guy, but here it says two. And um, I, I believe that it, it's very interesting that the issue here was that there were thousands of demons that were basically terrorizing that region. And so this is a logistical thing. It is a, it's a warfare thing. But it really speaks of the Lord encountering um, a, an army unit of demons. And whether they were the ones that generated this storm, we don't really know. We can, we can hypothesize regarding it and we can speculate. I happen to think that that is the case. 
But it's um, because whenever God's going to do something, whenever God makes a promise, whenever there's a way that God has, has initiated that he's going to do a thing, there's going to be opposition. Jesus' first sermon told us that. And so many other scriptures. So whenever there is a great opportunity that God has ordained, it's not that you go looking for trouble, but if you don't expect there to be some kind of opposition, you're, you're not really being a student of the scripture and you're really not being wise. So I happen to believe that this storm was in some way generated by the enemy, but that's not really even germane to what God is telling us we need to look at here in the scripture. The point is that when Jesus landed on the shore, immediately these, these ones came and uh, they were identified as being legion and there was a discussion about placement, that it was a discuss discussion that the demon said, are you going to remove us before the time, let us stay here and um, it was a very tactical discussion and some would say, well why didn't Jesus cast them out? Well, he made it very plain that he was giving that privilege to those that would follow the Heavenly Father and to those that would be appointed in the timing of God. And um, so some people, as you look at commentators, you see that they're troubled by this. But, you know, one of the things you learn about demonic positioning and, and, and God leading his people forward because God is a, a brilliant, displays brilliant generalship. Everything's in his timing. So I never really was much uh, in favor of those that just go about shooting up the town with deliverance. I mean, if God hasn't, if God hasn't uh, called you to engage in battle, you don't need to be in battle, you know? And, um, you know, the, the Jesus even talked about the, 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 the story about taking the stronghold. And the first part says that you need to be directed by the Kratos power of God. And you need to be going forward as he has given you dominion over an iscus area. You need to have that first of all, or you really don't have a provenance to, to be there engaging in warfare. And the Lord also said that if you, uh, if you cast a, a spirit out, it roams around seeking for rest, and then it comes back to the place where it was, and if it finds that it's not functioning in the way it should be, it says, I will go and bring seven worse with me, and the end of that one is worse than the, than the beginning. And there are a lot of scriptures like that. But the point is, is that just because you have power doesn't mean that you just, um, uh, in a serendipitous way, just go about demonstrating it. You know, you're not like the visiting strongman that comes into town lifting cars and casting out devils. I mean, you better make sure that you are, you're being directed by God. And um, I know that there are people that probably would disagree with that, but I would just say take it up with Jesus. I mean, he just came through a storm, calmed the storm, lands on the shore. Here's a, here's a, a, a demonic presence with thousands of demons. He could have, in one fell swoop, swoop he, could have gotten, he could have gotten rid of thousands of demons that were placed in that in that area, and he chose not to do it at that time, not because he couldn't have, 
but because he was waiting on our Father. You know, the whole premise of, of the, the wilderness temptation was the enemy trying to bait Jesus, if he could, into disregarding the commandments of God and doing things out of the timing, out of the sequence that the Heavenly Father had ordained. And point by point, Jesus said, I am waiting on the Father. I'm submitting myself to His leadership. I'm not doing things just because I can. I'm doing things because I desire to fulfill the one who sent me. And so even the business of giving the, all the, the kingdoms of the world and the glory within them, uh, Satan said, if you will prosecute nail before me, I'll just give it to you now. And Jesus said, I will not do that. I only do it before the Heavenly Father. And uh, that's, that's really, uh, Jesus could have, he could have done away with all the spiritual warfare for the, for the entire planet at that time. But he said, no, this is for those that will be redeemed of my Father, will lay before him, and it's ordained in the timing of God. So I, I just feel I need to say that disclaimer here. Uh, but the disciples, disciples, <laughs> they're, they're disciples. Them disciples. Tammy, why'd you do this microphone? It's like it's on hyperdrive here. <laughs> those, those, those followers, <laughs> they didn't anticipate. Jesus didn't say, okay, boys, you know, we got to be in prayer now because I had a fivefold over there, and I know that there's a, a legion of demons over on the other side of this shore, so you better get frosty. You better be ready now, you know. And uh, he didn't say any of that. These guys weren't aware of anything awaiting them on the other side of the shore. The only thing they were looking for is when the storm arose, they were just hoping they could get to the other side of the shore. Now, these again, many of these men were seasoned fishermen. I don't know they were dressed up like Gordon's Fishmaster or not, but they, <laughs> but they were used to being in storms. They were used to being on the, on the water during a lot of times that might be hazardous. And they also were used to being able to discern when to go out on the water and when not to. And so suddenly this storm comes up. None of them saw it coming. And it, it's of such... Um, magnitude that it scared all of them, or, or they, they better say they were alarmed. And they're looking around, they're saying, where's Jesus in the midst of this? And they found him asleep. It's as if he was doing nothing. It's as if he was not in any hurry to, to deliver them from the circumstance that came about that none of them saw coming. Does that sound familiar? And we entered into this year knowing full well what the Father said, and He's going to do everything He promised, and He's doing it now. But none of us anticipated that we would be on lockdown and that international flights would be um, not just uh, suspended, but for the foreseeable future, not happening. None of us, none of us anticipated this. And so, you know, there are a lot of people who are saying, Lord, what are you doing? You know, and there are people in fear right now, thinking that they're going to keel over at any moment. I mean, if you don't believe that, go through a grocery store and look at a majority of the people that are in there. I mean, they're just, so many of them just are, are petrified. 
and, and that's a shame. So there's a lot of challenge that's going on in this unexpected scenario that's come upon all of us. And there are probably a lot of Christians who are thinking, what's God doing in this? You know, is he asleep? Well, in this instance, instance Jesus was asleep. He was, he was engaging in the dream ministry right there. And uh, they come and they say, Lord, don't you save us? And another passage says, carest thou not that we perish? Well, they weren't perishing. And here's a newsflash. Neither are you. You're not perishing either. God is with you. You know, I don't know how many weeks this has been. Excuse me while I take this out. I'm, I'm going to blame this on my disciples and my gergazines. Uh, <laughs> oh, my. You know, it, it's, it, it's, this has been a really strange time. I know it's been different, but some of the greatest times that I've had with the Lord in a long time and times that I've never felt before have been happening over these past weeks. And I've been able to, I've been able to see that the Lord is really in my life, and I suspect that it's in your life. He's been cleansing this vessel. He's been preparing it for a vintage that's coming. Um, the new wineskin that's needed is something that he's working in me, and I trust in our congregation and in so many others. And, you know, we were going full bore into this year with great anticipation and in great, great confidence, as the Lord wants us to be. We're still in that. But God, in his inimitable way, has been working a lot in us to refine and to perfect. And he's caused things to slow down to the degree that we we are really open in ways that we would not have been had this not come into our lives. And as far as I know, um, our congregation is provided for. I haven't heard anything about anyone who's been in, in a measure of need. And I would say to my congregation, if you are in need, let us know. Um, far as I know, um, God is, is just protecting and watching over. Yeah, there are things that arise. There are challenges that come to people. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to eliminate life, you know. It's not like you're surviving in some nirvana bubble that you, you know, you're just not being affected by the things that normally are there. No, I could go out and bind and rebuke sinus issues you know, we've been going out for a walk around the neighborhood every evening, and I know good and well, I'm not declaring this, I'm just saying that when I get home, first thing I need to do is use some nasal spray to get rid of whatever pollen and whatever's out there lurking around. This nice, cool weather just causes me to have a reaction, and I take care of it, and it's gone. It'd be nice if that wasn't there. Maybe I had more faith. I'd declare it. I'd bind it. I'd rebuke it. But it's just life, you know? It's, it's what we are. So I'm not saying God's taken away from you all the things that you have to deal with. 
But what I am saying is that this is an unusual time and is being ordered by God, and He is watching over His people. He is preparing us for what's coming. So don't think that God's sleeping in this moment. Don't think that He is not on the scene. His Spirit is speaking in some of the deepest ways, the still small voice, as it were, to you if you'll listen. And really, that's what was going on with Elijah at the mountain. I mean, God's still small voice was speaking to things deep within him that, you know, his, his mantle, his public ministry, his prophetic skills and giftings, you know, God still wanted to prepare him for what was coming. And sadly, Elijah wouldn't allow that to really happen in the way God wanted it to. The still small voice spoke, but he was still saying, you know, I'm no better than my forefathers. You know, I'm all alone. You know, he was going through the same song and dance, verse 2. And I'm not faulting him, but those kinds of things, I believe, are issues that God is trying to deal with us right now in our lives. And the still small voice is speaking very succinctly and very, God has slowed things down. The natural mind would think, how long, oh Lord, you're sleeping, it you, you doesn't look like you're on the job, you know, those kinds of things you think, but you don't proclaim. But you sometimes think them anyway. The still small voice is speaking. There is a great horizon in front of us, and we are going to see the mighty things that God has promised, things that are commensurate with what the scriptures speak about concerning the end times. God is not sleeping. He is not sleeping, and you are not perishing. <laughs> Put that on the bulletin board. God is not sleeping, and you are not perishing. And if you, if you feel one should be above the other for, uh, for any given moment, you're not perishing. God's not sleeping. Uh, those, those are good. You know, instead of God is good all the time. God is not sleeping. You are not perishing. And God is providing for you. So don't give up. And don't go running to the Lord. Oh, God, I just don't know why you're just not helping. You know, I want to go back out. My, look at my hair. Look at my hair. I need a haircut. <laughs> you know, do you think God cares about that? <laughs> yes, of course he does. <laughs> Well, anyway, God's not sleeping. You're not perishing. Remember that. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm so grateful, though, for what Jesus says to these guys. And the, the, the words that he says are really not just addresses to them, but they are things that should be primers for us in remembering how we function in any scenario that God leads us into. The first is, be not fearful. Why are you fearful? And this is oh, the word dielos, and it is translated as timid. I'll, I'll give you a little bit more color on the definition of it here in just a moment, but it's only used here in this gospel episode. It's used one other time in another gospel, and it's used in Revelation 21.8. And this is, not, this is not phobos. This is not fear. This is 
a propensity to give place to fear. It's timidity. Now, it's not timidity to the point where someone is very gracious, very condescending. There are a lot of wonderful Christians who are that way, that are just as, as meek in every way, and I appreciate them. So it's, it's not even speaking of that. It's, it's speaking about being prone to overreact, prone to give place to fear. Now, in my, since it's Mother's Day, I'll give you a mother's story. I've said this in the past, but my mother has gone on to be with the Lord. And um, I have no idea what my mother and father's heavenly conversations are. <laughs> Sure, they're far different from the ones I remember at my house. But my mother was a good woman. She was a she she was a Christian, and I appreciate and thank God for that. But she was a worrier. She was she was always anytime I'd go anywhere, anything, you know, now Ronnie, you know, and off it go. You know, don't do this. You better not do that. You know, this is happening or that's happening. And, and after a while, it just kind of clanked on deaf ears. And I'd say, okay, Mom, you know, that kind of, I know Ryan never said anything like that to you, Tammy. Okay, Mom. And that really means, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really respectful, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, Mom. And so one of the things I had to do in life was, was learn how to shed all that fear talk, you know, how to, how to think, well, that stuff is not going to happen. But what it did for me was it caused me to be circumspect. To, to have the insight that these things might be out there, to me, helped me to be ahead of the game. It didn't cause me to avoid them from just from, a, from an abject sense where I'd just go at it full bore and say, well, my mom said this, but I'm going at it. It's just, you know, you, you measure twice and cut once. Sometimes I measure three or four times. But, you know, I don't give place to fear, but yet I have to deal with that because that was sewn into me all my life. And, I, you know, we've, I remember for many years, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, younger years, I wouldn't go anywhere. I mean, if there was camp, I wouldn't go. You know, if, if I won an award in my church and there was a further thing for, for many years, I wouldn't go on. And I was just afraid to be, I, I wanted to be home. I didn't want to be out there because all these things could happen. Thank God I shed myself of that. But, you know, the, the point is, though, that there's a difference between being wise and circumspect and being fearful. And there's a difference between being um, aware and being this word to where any kind of fear comes along, you just embrace it and that becomes your persona. That's what this word means. To not be so predisposed to the possibility of pain or suffering that you just avoid living. And so... That's the first thing Jesus says. And again, this is a rare word. It's only used in this episode and in the book of Revelation. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But I think that the enemy loves to get people to react to fear. He loves to put people 
on guard to where they will be influenced by the specter of fear or something bad happening. And I really believe that's one of the things that the enemy is trying to work in our society and in the world right now. And my goodness, I, I don't think any of us remember any time like this where all the nations are just making their decisions economically and in every other way based upon a specter, uh, an unseen specter of fear. Now, I'm not diminishing this coronavirus. I'm not, I'm not in any way diminishing it. But my point is that so many cities and states and nations are just girding their whole existence around what might happen in a negative way. Now, there is a place for precaution. There's a place for using wisdom. There's a place for being prepared and not putting yourself in harm's way. But then there's another place where, like in one state, uh, because of the coronavirus, you can't buy garden seeds. You can't buy fertilizer for your lawn. You can't buy paint because, God forbid, you use that. You could keel over right there in the yard by yourself, you know. And there are a lot of people who are saying, you know, you've gone overboard with this. You know, you've, you've gone way over here. And that's in, in the great state of Michigan. Uh, not quite just to the east of the, the, the land of the Gergesenes, but, you know, it's just, it's just there. <laughs> so um, I, I think that the Lord is saying to these guys here in the boat when he's asleep, first of all, you need to recognize where you are, who is with you, what our mission is, and you don't need to throw every measure of your existence to the wind because these winds are howling right now. And so Jesus uses this word, and it is, it is important for us. Now, again, you need to be careful. You know, when you're in leadership, when you're a pastor or a leader of any kind of thing, you know, you can't just you know, there are some people that aren't going to go along, and you just say, we're going anyway. If we had waited for everybody to say it's okay to, to become saints, we'd still be waiting, and we would have missed the time of the Lord. But you're never going to get everybody to, to come along. But then on the other hand, when there are legitimate scenarios that people are processing in their mind, good people who want to follow the Lord, and you've got some that are more cautious, and you've got some that are damn the torpedoes full speed ahead, you know, somewhere in the middle, you've got to be like Eisenhower and say, okay, you know, Patton, you're wanting to go over here and kill Hitler tomorrow. Montgomery's doing whatever he's doing. Uh, Beetle Smith is doing this, but here's what we're going to do. And you, that's the way wars are won. You can't, you can't just be voluptuous and volatile all the time to where everybody's saying, wow, that's just a great thing. Let's just go wave the flag and go take it. You know, so, but, but you've, you've got to, the main thing is you've got to keep your eye on mission. You've got to keep your ear to the heart of God, and you've got to recognize in confidence that no matter what goes on out there, I will not fear because I'm following agape. Perfect love casts out fear. So we're not motivated by fear. We're motivated by our Father. And this word, delos, speaks about having a propensity, 
propensity to be motivated by fear. Now, I, there are a lot of places where this word is, um, is used in the Koine Greek. About, we're not going there. I just gave you the definition. But we are going to look at this other passage um, in Revelation 21. And it's speaking about the end times. It's speaking about the time where um, those that are serving the enemy are going to be tossed into the lake of fire. And, um, but we're going to look at this progression because I think you can see the pathway that the enemy is trying to lay out. I'm not going to dwell on this a lot, but we need to look at it. Revelation 21, verse 7. He that overcomes will inherit all things. Now, the meek will inherit the earth. The way you overcome is through meekness. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, there's our word, and the unbelieving, and the abominable. The abominable is a word that means um, to give yourself over to the demonic. It's, it's used to describe um, what Daniel prophesied about the end time when the, 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 the abomination of desolation um, and people that will worship the beast. And this, this word is used there. So this is, you, you've got those that are ready to be led by any kind of propaganda. You've got those that are unbelieving. They're not in contact with, with the right hand of God. You've got those that are willing, in order to preserve themselves or for whatever motive, to bow before the demonic. You've got those that will turn on one another, murderers. And, you know, there was a lot of that going on in the previous century in, uh, in Nazi Germany where people for the point of uh, aggrandizing themselves or gaining position will actually kill those around them or submit those or that are around them that, to, that are being hunted to be murdered. And this is going to weigh out in a lot of different ways, but that's there. Whoremongers, that always speaks about those that are worshiping the demons. In the, New Test in the Old Testament, God spoke about this regularly of those that instead of following Yahweh and Jehovah and, and, and Elohim, they would give themselves over. God talked about Israel playing this type of thing on behalf of the demons that ruled in the various ites that lived in the Holy Land. Sorcerers, those who've learned how to tap into the spiritual sources. Uh, idolaters, those that make a career of fomenting this kind of thing. And liars, those that are not telling the truth. Those that are, that are the, the vocal pieces, the voice pieces of enemy propaganda. All of those... And really, the beginning of it is delos. Those that have not learned how to process the plan of God and follow the agape instead of just abandoning everything for whatever is, is just out there at the moment. We're being trained in this right now. And we've, we've got to be careful. But again, this doesn't mean you throw caution to the wind. This doesn't mean that you don't use common sense. It doesn't mean that you, you, uh, you just go about um, um, just daring God. 
The scripture speaks about those kinds of things. That's what Jesus, that's what Satan said. Hey, why don't you hurl yourself off of here? Because the angels will watch out for you, you know, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Because God has promised that doesn't mean we go out trying it every day. What are you going to do today? Oh, I think I'm going to climb up to the top of the church here and just hurl myself off just to prove that those angels are still around. They're not sequestered. They're all here. But i got to prove it. So I'm leaping off tomorrow. Well, that'll be our Facebook post uh, for, for Forget Music Monday. It'll be pastor leaping off the roof of the church. <laughs> no, you don't do that kind of thing. That's what the enemy wants to have done. So, um, but, but you do, you don't give yourself over just um, to the whims and the ways of the world. <laughs> you just don't do it. And that's what Jesus begins with. He says, why are you fearful? Why aren't you processing what's going on? I mean, you're, you're following me. I'm here with you. I'm not doing anything right now but sleeping. I'm waiting. So why are you worried? Why, why are you worried? I think we need to really let this process in us right now and cause fear to be gone. The next thing he says is, O you of little faith. Now, we've taught on this before, and um, we've talked about, this is a, a really weird word. It's, uh, uh, you know, we talked about oligos um, when we talked about uh, the enemy recognizing that his kairos opportunity was short and that oligos was arising. We talked about that recently. This is that word plus pistos, which is faith. Oligopistos is what this is. And, and he was really, he was describing them. He was calling them by this. And we saw that oligos is not a negative term. Uh, and we've, I, I have a teaching sheet from like last year where we went down through oligos. And we saw how these were, these were classifications that Jesus spoke promising people victory. The few are going to get this. The few are going to be saved. The few, using oligos over and over again. And again, we talked about how that um, this came into Eastern European language and in Russian, uh, the acrylic uh, expressions out of the ancient Greek, which basically those Eastern, um, when the church split from Rome to the Eastern Orthodox, those those priests were the ones that taught. Those were the ones that brought the written language to those folks that were basically barbarians and a lot of those outreaches of Siberia and further. Um, so oligos is something that they used in their language and still do to this day to speak about someone who has risen to the top of society and now through their acumen in business or through whatever other ways, they have cornered markets, and they are oligarchs. You remember all the Russian hoax stuff about the Trump partnering with the oligarchs? You know, people say, what is that? Is that some kind of bird? No, it's somebody that in Russia has risen up to the top. Now, a lot of them are in organized crime, but they don't have to be. And so oligos doesn't mean, you little pipsqueak, it means you have risen, risen to the rosen. You have risen to the top. I better put this back in. <laughs> You deciphers are going to get confused. Um, so he calls these people oligopistos. 
He says, first of all, don't submit yourself to what it looks like in the natural and remember that you are operating on behalf of the right hand of God and you are called to be those that are exquisite in service to him. You're not some little duckling. You, you are called to do great things. And certainly these disciples were that. Of all the ones that were hearing Jesus teach, these were the oligos. And so this was not a, it wasn't Jesus saying, what are you waking me up for, you know? You know, it wasn't that kind of thing. The Lord didn't talk that way. But what he said was, this storm, don't be swayed by it. Be swayed by who you are and that you're with me and that you're serving the will of the Father. And remember that you are called to be mighty on behalf of what he is dictating from his throne. Those two things Jesus says. And I think that is a phenomenal thing. So then he arose and he rebuked the wind. Wow. You know, I, I was going to say one other thing about oligos. I've still got 15. We'll still be done by noon so you can make it to Luby's. <laughs> I guess that doesn't work anymore. Of course, I did see Luby's is open. They're, 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 it says our dining room is open. So let's get over there. <laughs> we'll really beat the Baptist today. <laughs> you know, this oligos is, is really interesting because uh, it's used in some really unique, in some unique ways. In fact, one of the ones that I was studying about last night was when the woman with the alabaster box came and anointed Jesus and the, the disciples were sitting there and they were griping about the, the waste of, of uh, uh, the value of that uh, perfume. Uh, it was, he, he, loved, he loved what much, um, uh, who's forgiven much loves much. And who's forgiven little uh, doesn't, doesn't really do it this way. And you know, Olagos is used there too. And, you know, we, we, Jesus wasn't condemning anybody. He was really using the Olagos to speak about this woman's devotion, how she had risen above all the rest of the other ones that were there. You need to look at that passage. It's an interesting, it's an interesting passage. Look in Luke 13 there. I put it on the sheet so we might as well look at it. Um, then said one unto him, Lord, are there few, oligos, that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the strait, the stenos, from histemi, gate. And that's what we're doing right now. We're not just talking about doors. We're talking about gates to nations, gates to dimensions in the spirit realm. And the oligos are the ones that are really seeking after God in intercession to make sure that the histemi that Jesus gave his life on the cross to assure is point by point being laid out exactly the way God has ordained. That's where we get our word stenographer for. Somebody that lays it out in great detail. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter in and will not be able. Ischio. When once the master of the house is risen up and is shut to the door, and you begin to stand without, and you knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he'll answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. And they'll say, we have eaten and drunk in your presence. You have taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know whence you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. 
We have the point right now of being one of two things, being swayed by whatever's being spoken in the streets, just being a cherry picker of different passages that we think just help us today, or being an oligos that is saying, you're working a work in the histeme. I want to rise to the top of service to you, not from a prideful position, but to recognize that's what you've called me to be. And Jesus sandwiches this together. You've got the, you've got the oligos, and you've got the people that are just listening and wanting fellowship, and those are good things. But you, you've got to be someone that God can rely on. And those oligos are the ones that are going to know the delivering power of God. That's just the truth. So there's a lot of teaching in this oligos study. And um, you need to take some time this week to pull it up in your computer. You say, where do I find that? Well, take this sheet right here. It'll tell you. Even if you go to that, that um, well, there it is right there in Luke 13. Just click that and study where it's used and just let God lead you because that's what God's trying to work in you in this time. So finally, the rebuke. He rebukes the wind and the sea. And we, again, in a past study, we've looked at this. This is epitomeo. And that, that word tomeo is a word wherein we get the word honor. It speaks about someone that is so devoted to the task of God that the very impression of who he is and what he's calling them to be, the burden of the Lord, is imprinted on them. That's what honor really means. And you become... Through time, we get our word time from this. You become through time honed into that. And, you know, one of the things I love to do in going to uh, Europe, and you can still see it here in the United States too, but some, some of the ancient stairways that were made of stone are just, you can see where people over the centuries have worn it down. I remember one of the, the hotel we used to stay at in Montelemar was a place that was called the, the place of rest for the emperor. And apparently Napoleon, when he would go from Paris down toward Marseille or wherever he was going, would stay at this place. And so the staircase was made of marble, and it was a beautiful curving staircase, but it was such an old place that when you were carrying the suitcases up, you had to be really careful because there were, there were just big, <laughs> big valleys in every one of the steps. And, you know, because of use, it, you didn't have to look and say, has anybody used this staircase? It's there. And so, really, if you rebuke the wind using this word, it was, it was indicative of what Jesus was commissioned to do by God. It was his authority. It was his mandate. It is what he had commissioned himself to be. It wasn't dunamis. It wasn't uh, some measure of explosive power. It was, it was truly wrapped up in who he was and what he was called to be. So when he stood and looked at the wind, you know, he is God 
who created the heavens and the earth could have just snapped his finger, even thought about snapping his finger, and it would have all been as calm, as calm as could be. But he didn't do that. He stood on behalf of what God had called him to do and what his mission was. And when he spoke to that wind, it was from the standpoint of the weightiness of his rank, the weightiness of the honor of serving God. And that's the word that was used. So let's look at these three words again as we conclude here in finding the great calm that all of us need to be experiencing right now in God. In the first place, we're on the way to something. Now, it may not be legions of demons, but I know that for South America, that's, what, <laughs> that's what's believing and trembling. We've seen it in vision. We've known it. And we're not afraid of it. They're going to bow their knee and they're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, but we're on our way somewhere. And we're on our way with the Lord. And it seems that this storm has risen. We're under the covering of the blood. And we're preserved and we're safe. But we're on our way somewhere. And we don't need to forget about what that calling is. We don't need to give our full attention and our obeisance to the winds that are out there. And there are many of them. And there are people that just want to keep telling you, you better be afraid, you better be afraid, you better be afraid, you better be afraid. And if you listen to that too much, you'll become that way. So Jesus warns on the way to their destination, don't be prey to that. You need to know, here, here's one for Denise. You need to learn how to pray and not be a prey. That's what you need to do. You need, that wasn't a very good one. I'll, I'll give you another one later, Denise. They love alliteration uh, in, in, the, in the school of Pastor Jones. <laughs> and it's really good. It helps you to remember things. But, you know, the point is that um, God is in control. And we don't, yes, we need to be aware and we need to do what we, what we should, but we do not need to give place to fear. Amen? The second thing is, God is doing something, even though it seems like, in your eyes, He may not be doing something. And the thing that He's really doing is working work in you. He's wanting to know how much you trust Him and how much you're looking forward to continuing to follow Him. And so, we need to remember that we are those that are called to be the saints. We are the oligos of God. We, because we're serving Him. It's a position of service, not of platitude. And we need to remember that. That we are a people that have been called to serve God in ways that are very important to Him. And it's through that, the few that God is going to move. The enemy recognizes that. He recognizes this Kairos moment. We looked at it last week. And he recognizing that it is an oligos Kairos, he comes in great fury. He recognizes that this is the moment of the Lord and God is raising up those that will be champions for the kingdom. Are you that? Yes, you're called to be that. And you are that more than you know. 
So let's be that. Let's not give place to the prevailing winds of, of the opinions of the world. And let us remember that God is with us and that he's called us to do great things. Oh, why are you fearful, O oh, you oligos pistos? That's what Jesus said. And then at the very end, when it was finally time to show, I don't really even know that Jesus needed to rebuke the wind. I don't think he needed. He would have still been sleeping and had these oligopistos had not woken him up <laughs> or awakened him. But just because they awoke him, he stood up and he epitomeo to the wind. And he basically addressed nature and whatever enemy influence might have been there by saying, I am here on behalf of what God, my Father, has imprinted me to be. I'm not about my business. I'm about his business. So in the name of God, the will of the throne of God, be still. That's interesting. It's wonderful. I've said this before, but of all the things we've learned about faith, of all the things we've learned about the Word, of all the ways that God has shown Himself strong, I have never known a confidence or a strength like what we've realized as we've stood as people, as saints who are representing the mission of God. When you come from that platform of obedience, nothing, nothing is beyond the pale. Nothing is. You can call those things that be not as though they are, just as Abram did, the father of all who walk in faith. And that is your commission. And that is what God is giving to us. So, yeah, there's a wind out there. There are a lot of people that want to subject you to that wind. They want you to, to kowtow to that and to say, oh, you know, what's going to become of us? We could all drop dead tomorrow. Lord, carest thou not that they said that? Carest thou not that CNN and MSNBC are saying this? Are you sleeping? No, he's not asleep. He knows full well what's being said by well-meaning people. But what he cares most about is the mission that has been entrusted to us. And that is not in jeopardy. He's with you. And he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And so I speak blessing over all of you. I speak blessing over the outposts of the saints. I speak blessings over the nations that you represent. You know, I was so blessed this past, uh, and there are a lot of people that write and text and tell me what they're doing. Uh, our dear friend in Switzerland, Olivia Zafus, was out and about on Friday going to a number of places in Geneva pr pr praying and declaring the goodness of the Lord. She even sent a picture. The first picture she sent was uh, the first activation a Saints Network group ever did in Switzerland. And she was there again, and it reminded me, God's got his hand on, on Switzerland. Not too long ago, it seems like forever ago, our prophetic presbytery was able to speak into a number of young people in Switzerland who wanted to be here. We're standing in agreement with them, but we're standing in agreement with places all over this world. Every week I have the privilege of speaking 
to the great, uh, the great French-speaking world. And Luke and Sylvie are my translators. And they, they, we're just hearing. I got an email from a precious couple on the western coast of France. Just sweet people. Just such a gift from God to the saints, but to the throne of God itself. And they were telling me about the dreams that they were having and how God was moving in their intercession. Listen, folks, you are not alone. God is with you, and God is doing His work. But we need, to, we need to continue to know that what God has said is happening now, and it's going to be happening in a greater way than any of us have ever asked or thought. Those things that God has in store for us who love Him, not those that are delos, being driven about by fear, but those who love Him, who are committed to His agape, those days are coming, and they're here right now. So I speak blessing over all of you, whatever nation you're in. I speak blessing. You know, I, I wanna, I'm, I'm just giving you these testimonies. Um, Luke and Sylvie ministered to Pastor Hervé in, in the nation of Benin in Africa. And um, they, they minister every week. And those precious folks are are laying on their face, proskuneoing, calling on God for a move of His Spirit in that nation. And this is going on all over the world. God is moving, and we're going to see the great things that He's promised. So we speak blessing over all of the outposts of the saints. We speak blessing over this faithful house. We speak blessing over our extended saints network family. If you need healing in your body, we speak health and life into you now in Jesus' name. If you need provision, let God provide in a mighty way. You know, this past week, God has been providing in, in tremendous ways. I, uh, last, last Sunday, last Sunday, I stood up here preaching, and I was really believing God for a blessing that belongs to this congregation. And it seemed like everything was blocked. And I, first of all, had to ask God for forgiving me for trying to shake him awake. Do you not see what's going on here, Lord? And I just declared, Lord, this belongs to us. Later that afternoon, I got an email stating that it was, it was coming. And on Friday, it came. Tremendous blessing for this congregation. But I know it was because of standing in this way. Instead of griping and complaining and lamenting and, you know, doing the things that we would normally do, that I would normally do just as an individual, because <laughs> we're all human. But we've got to step out of that into what God has made us to be, what He created us to be. So I speak provision into your life. If there are things that are blocking and hindering what God has ordained for you to enjoy, I rebuke those things, and I command that the blessing be upon you, that you will be provided for during this season. But the greatest thing I declare over you is that you will meet with God, and that you'll let Him have His way in you, and that you will become that vessel that He has ordained to use in the days that are quickly coming and they're going to, we're going to come to this shore soon. We're going to land on the shore soon. And we're, we're going to, 
after you get your hair cut and find some more toilet paper, we're going to go out and see God do some tremendous things. But he's preparing you for it right now. So don't miss this opportunity. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you uh, for allowing us to have been born during this time and to be able to serve you in this moment. We thank you for giving us life. If our mothers are still living, we ask that you will bless them. And those that have gone on to be with you, we're not asking you what to do. They already know how glorious you are. And we thank you, though, for their heritage. And I pray a blessing over all of our network family, and particularly this church family, as we celebrate um, on this holiday. Bless the houses of the saints and do a work within all of your people. We love you, Father. Make us ready. Let us be, let us be faithful in your sight. And let us be good and faithful servants of our Father. Thank you for all of this, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.